Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Yeah. Yeah, all right. All right. Guys, welcome back to another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Wilomowski. Dave, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, what the hell is that? I don't know. Are, are you hearing that? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, that whatever. Was, hey, Dave, how, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Uh, yeah, it's going good. Um, uh, nothing new going on. I'm I'm training at work, which is nice. So there's... I don't have to do as much work, but I have to like watch a guy, which I hate. Some... It's like oh, teaching like... my kid how to drive. Yeah, you like watching the guys, don't you, Dave? <laughs> there's there's something different about you. I can't I can't oh. put my finger on it. That's I think this oh, week it... I really I nailed it. Yeah, that yeah, it's the tie, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a damn nice tie. It is. Uh, guys, gotta rem remind everybody, we're now broadcasting on Twitch, and you can sub to us for free using. If you're an Amazon Prime customer, you get one free Twitch sub per month that you can use on our Twitch channel. Check out our Twitch channel right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's twitch.tv slash Alan underscore mostly. Uh, also, don't forget, God, it's it's like five weeks away. Five weeks away to the fourth annual It's Too Late live show hosted by yours truly as well, Dave and Mary Liberty Late Night at the private Bonacqua Computer Club. That's in Bonacqua, Tennessee, but you have to get your tickets. You got to go to the Eventbrite link that's right over there in the chat, and it's down there in the mm -hmm. show notes. Get your tickets. Space is limited. It's June 4th. There's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. We're going we're gonna to have some laughs, maybe. We're, maybe. There's going to be a live show. Um, no refunds. And there's get your tickets. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're a rotund gentleman, get two tickets. It's kind of like an airliner. Should probably it's only fair. Yeah. It, well, if there's limited space, I mean, Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, we would be remiss to not talk in the monologue this evening about the news that absolutely everybody is talking about, and that is, of course, entrepreneur Elon Musk is pouring out the billions to buy the social media site Twitter. Do we have a picture of Elon Musk? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we call a callback right there. <laughs> you, have, you have to watch the show every week, you know? Uh, but here's the thing. I, I want to I go on a quick little rant before we move on. A lot of people are getting really excited about the prospects of having someone like Elon owning Twitter. And they think this is going to mean this massive rollback of all the shadow banning and the wokeism and the politics. And it's going to be this free speech platform. Maybe it will. Yeah. I, I hope for the best. But I think people are putting the cart before the horse just a little bit. And, and I want to explain why. Elon is a lifelong leftist. That's mm. just the truth. Uh, he's a major advocate for UBI, Universal Basic Income. Uh, he's one of the top donors to the ACLU, which hasn't been about civil liberties in a long time and has been about silencing political opponents for quite a while. Uh, he supports carbon taxes and generally is a major proponent of the whole kind of green, green energy movement that's going to absolutely cripple the country. Um, I'm sure this guy would love everyone to own a Tesla, 
unfortunately not everyone can afford a Tesla. Uh, not to mention that that would totally destroy the power grid, right? Like we don't have the power grid for everyone to be charging Teslas. So it's just not realistic for these states and cities to be mandating that sort of thing. But he's now, just because of this whole Twitter thing, he's suddenly being propped up as this conservative icon because he's going to own the libs, right? Um, in my mind, that says two things, both of them being bad, one about the left and one about the right. The right is so hollow that they'll take the aforementioned devout leftist as a role model because their own identity is garbage. But Let's not forget the left, right? The left will still cast out a hardcore leftist who has lots of money, who has made real-world strides towards the things that they purport to believe in. Um, and while he may be a leftist, he isn't woke. Mm. That's the only thing he's missing from his leftist resume. He's not woke. You can have the cure for cancer a model in which socialism beats capitalism, and an airtight political strategy for equality and democracy. But if you don't parrot the message, then to the left, you'd might as well be Hitler. And, and honestly, this is just a microcosm for like the last century of American history and politics. The left is atrocious. So since they've been winning so much, imagine just how useless the right is. Maybe I'm being too harsh. It's not all bad, is it, Dave? No, not all bad. Besides, it. it's not like the right has a history of propping up lifelong leftists. <laughs> <laughs> I think the audience uh, is pretty autistic, too. Like, they all, <laughs> it took them an extra five seconds to yeah. chime in. You hear that? It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, you know what? We've got an amazing guest tonight for a fantastic interview, so much so that it's the majority of the show and we're going to be way over time. So that's it. <laughs> we're, we're done with the monologue. Guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week and the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Yeah. We gotta get that guy. That we, just guy. Have, we just have to get a guy that just vamps the whole the whole show. <laughs> just the whole show. Guys, let me tell you about tonight's sponsor, and that is Pat Crest Botanicals, which you can find at their website, which is patcrestbotanicals.com. That's for all your Delta 8, your CBD, uh, gummies, oils, uh, topical lotions, anything you can imagine that involves uh, CBD and Delta 8. That's where you can get your products. But listen to this. You can get 30% off 
by putting in promo code it's too late that's all one word it's too late for 30 percent off 30 uh, one of the products that i actually have in my home is the ascend 3000 dave can we get a good look at that yeah whoa yeah there's the i'm sorry <laughs> they're, they're gonna drop us by the way like they're gonna they're gonna drop us yeah, the ascend 3000 uh check that out at more at patcrestbotanicals.com promo code it's too late what yeah. i thought that was good what would you oh that was talking? beautiful i love that oh, all right okay all right um <laughs> hey dave yeah on what time is it it's time for meme of the week a netflix original series <laughs> Elon. yeah that makes sense yeah diversify <laughs> <laughs> I I wish someone would make one of me because like like why do blackface when someone can do me as digital blackface? You know what there I'm saying? Yeah. Are we still doing blackface on June fourth? Like are we doing that or we we decided we're not doing that? I think I missed a memo. All right. <laughs> Dave's <laughs> Dave's breathing heavily all of a sudden. Uh, but oh. we do have a bonus meme. Check out the bonus meme. I be believe the arrows on the grocery store floor saved my life. Mm. Thank you. I love the flowers. Yeah, I know, right? It reminds me of the one that we did the other day with the chipmunk that said that, that like, we're hope we're in the same gulag. Remember that? Oh, one? yeah. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. um, oh, we're going to be so over time, Dave. We got to do the viewer mail. Let's go. Viewer mail. All right. Oh, and you picked the longest one. Yeah. It's, it's the viewer mail showing questions. Right. Really using the term questions. <laughs> I go back and watch the show at like one quarter time. I did it. All right. Yeah. Um, it's look there. It's on a pattern. That was the week that that one plays. Okay. It's okay. not my. All right. No, I dig it. Um, Andrew Avery writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if the drama involving the takeover of Twitter stretches out much longer, should we call it Elon Gate?" Hmm. I feel like this this pun didn't really age well because from the time he posted to now, the, the drama's kind of over. He, he bought it. Yep. Yeah, done deal. Andrew really should have updated his pun. <laughs> but uh, Andrew's a everybody gets one kind of guy, you know? He's like, yep. no, you got your pun this week, you son yeah. of a... Yeah, all right. I wanted to play the Alex Jones thing where he... He says, "All right, never mind." Uh, <laughs> Carl Huber, right? We don't have we don't have any time, Dave. No, Stop sidetracking us, Dave. Stop it. Sorry. All right. Uh, Carl Huber writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if a pack of gum says that each piece is ten calories, is that amount just chewing the gum, or also for swallowing it?" Um, I think that's just for chewing the gum because the yeah. only reason it has flavor at all is that it's loaded with sugar. So you're just yeah. you know. Plus, if you swallow it, doesn't it just go through you? I'm, I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. I'm not going to look into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's the rectal version of kidney stones. <laughs> Probably right. a little more comfortable. That's that's a wonderful thing to leave our audience as we're moving along. <laughs> um, Eric Eli writes, Dear Alan and Dave, why does Minnie Mouse want a divorce from Mickey Mouse? <gasps> They're getting divorced? I did not hear this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about this. I didn't see any memes. They don't have any kids, though, do they? They have nephews, I think, but that's it. Who cares? 
Yeah. They're not yours. They might as well be child slaves. But yeah. the um, mouse name dies with him. At least they don't have kids. If they have kids, they ought to stay together for the children. You know what I'm saying? For the children. Yeah. Yeah. You guys would do that, right? You'd, you'd stay together until Jane was 18 and then kill each other? Well, yeah, it's going good so far. <laughs> that didn't sound convincing. <laughs> uh, Aaron, Aaron Kentner writes, Dear Alan and Dave, Out of all the failed systems of government, why is democracy the worst? Um, But as much as we hate democracy, it's objectively not the worst. That's just silly. Oh, I mean... Yeah. Feel feel free to head over to North Korea. Um, vote harder when you get there. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, Marilyn Willimowski writes, Dear Alan and Dave, I'll be back with my question. Hmm. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Um, Lyle Durio writes, Dear Alan <laughs> and Dave, why does Green... That's, that was her thing, okay? Yeah. She'll be back. That's fine. Um, why does green mean go? Why can't blue mean go? I think it actually is different in different countries. Oh, like that, I don't no. think it's I don't think it's red, yellow, green, like all around the world. I think it is different, different places. Yeah, I can't think of a good reason why green would be go. I think because I think instead of thinking of it as go, think of it as is, you're good. Like you're OK. Oh. Green yeah. means you're fine. <laughs> like if, if it wasn't green, I'd think shit. Yeah, you know. there's something wrong. Like, there's a reason why they don't make your check engine light on your car green. Because then you'd be like, oh, the engine's fine. Thank God. And then <laughs> We just see, wanted to you... notify you that it's it's good. <laughs> yeah. My car's been notifying me for years. Yeah. All yep. right. Uh, Justin Campbell writes, Dear Alan and Dave, will you leave Twitter if Elon doesn't restore the Snyderverse? I don't know. Nerd. Like, like, they already... We don't, we don't, we don't have, we don't have time, Justin. We don't have time to decipher your viewer mail questions. Rob Snyder? No, not Schneider. Snyder. Oh. Like the comic book move, like the D, the DC, like, uh, uh, yeah. Justice League or whatever. You're, this, stop it, Dave. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ryan Seifert writes, dear Alan and Dave, you can roll, can you roll literally anything edible in a corn tortilla? deep fry it and call it a chimichanga hmm. doesn't the do chimichangas have to have some kind of a sauce i yeah i'm sure i've had a chimichanga but wait a minute because what what's the difference between a chimichanga and an enchilada oh that's what i was thinking of enchiladas maybe no i don't know which one of them you can get in the vending machine at work <laughs> it's, and it doesn't have a sauce on it so they don't just have burritos. They have like something more fancy, and it has like a flakier crust. They're pretty good. The only, they used to be. You can find out answers to this and more by attending <laughs> the annual Poncho Supporter Summit the oh. night before the June fourth fourth annual. It's too late left. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, just <laughs> click on the goddamn link. All right. Um, Jonathan Carranza writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, do you have or have you had a pet fish? Fish oh. aren't pets." They're, Just, they're moving I... art. Okay. That's what I always thought of them as. Yeah. Um, I got some right over there right now. In the basement. <laughs> Tim Wysong writes, Dear Alan and Dave, <laughs> what questions should people ask their parents while they still have the chance? Hmm. 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 
Tim Wysong was trying really hard to, to not say before it's too late. Like he was trying really yeah. hard to not give it's us free late. advertising. Yeah. <laughs> was, um, yeah. Probably who's my mom and dad. The, oh, the like real her, ones. Yeah, the real ones, not not you guys. You know, I'd think it'd be like uh, where where exactly are all your assets? Like all the accounts? Is there anything that I don't know about that might need to know about? Oh, live chat uh, is saying family medical history. That's a good one. Oh yeah. Like yeah, when the doctors say, Do you, "Does your family have a history of uh, getting in shootouts with the cops?" and yeah. then you'll say, "Funny, you yeah. should mention that." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's hereditary, but you should. Yeah, I'm sure there's things. You should get that looked at. You know, I'm not a doctor. Probably should. All right. I'm no biologist. Um, Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan and Dave, why do you think I have such a hard time thinking of viewer mail questions lately? Mm. You know, there's, there's a, I think there's a, a lot of pressure on the people to get a new, fresh question that's actually good. And it's, you know, I think they're scared. I think. Well, the, the, thing, the thing is, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for people that can't think of a viewer mail question because. <laughs> Because these people don't know us. That you can literally ask yeah. a person you've never met before thousands and thousands and thousands of questions and still not know everything about them. These people have asked us two questions. They're like, "I'm all out." Yeah, well, that's we me. asked. We asked, "What's your favorite color?" And how do you <laughs> feel about clowns? And boom, we're done. That's all there is. That's that's not a call back. That's a call forward. We'll find out momentarily. Um, <laughs> Dear uh, Brian Johnson writes, Dear Alan and Dave, if you were wrongfully put into an insane asylum, how would you convince them that you're actually sane and not just pretending to be sane? Now, see, that's a viewer mail question. That's really good. Can can insane people pretend to be sane and actually fool the doctors? And if they can, are the doctors any good? Oh, one of them did it. That uh, dang it, I just said his name the other day. That 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 big serial killer. Ed Kemp, Kemp, Kemper or something. He he actually he was a genius and he figured out how to um, weasel his way in and he actually got a job delivering like these papers that told told him what they look for for a sane person and he studied it and he figured out what to say and they let him out after he killed his grandparents in cold blood. <laughs> um. Well, Brian, the answer is kill people. Yeah. There you go. Be smart. Dave, is everything all right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Been researching a lot of... Oh, a lot, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Um, And last but not least, Marilyn Willimowski writes, Dear Alan and... Dave. Well, here we go. What are your thoughts on clowns? Hmm. Um... I actually have a story involving a clown that's not a joke. It's a real story, but we don't have any time, so I'll yeah. tell it. When I yeah. was a sophomore in college <laughs> out in Maryville, Tennessee, uh, I was in a band, and me and the bandmates, who all went to Maryville College, uh, we would go out in the evenings and we'd play music at some of the dives around town. And usually what we would do is we would get out, you know, like classes would end around like noon, two o'clock. We'd get out of class. We'd do whatever we have to do. About four o'clock or so, we're heading out. We're, we're packing up the trucks. We're heading out to go set up somewhere. I mean, you'd like to be punctual. All right. So hand to God. I was driving through downtown Maryville to go to our gig. 
and in a like shitty looking like old Chrysler minivan was a freaking clown driving alongside me. Well, they, they I have mean, to drive. <laughs> I mean, like this, like you've seen the memes of the van that says free candy because yeah, it's like a pedophile. Yeah. That it was that was the van. This is they're next to yep. me right now. That makes sense. The meme is happening in real life. And <laughs> and I, I couldn't like I was like I was doing this thing with my eyes because I was like, am I like am I hallucinating? Am I seeing this actual thing? Because he's a hand to God. He's smoking and he's holding a telephone book. Like the a old yellow book. pages. Yeah. Remember the old yellow pages, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's got a cigarette telephone book driving with his knees heading through downtown. No idea what's going on. <laughs> Just to prove that it's no fluke. I get a call from my drummer, Kevin, and Kevin says, Alan, you won't believe what I just saw. And I said, <laughs> "What was it a clown smoking in a pedo van with a phone book? And he just hung up on me. <laughs> we actually didn't see much of Kevin after that. <laughs> anyway, that's what I think about clowns. Yeah. There you go. Mostly harmless. <laughs> well, if you're if you're above 18, you should probably be fine. Yeah, I wouldn't yep. let the kids hang out with them alone. All right. Uh, oh, Tom Woods is with us tonight, Dave. Oh, are you kidding me? Yes, Tom Woods is with us tonight. That's insane. I need to read the show notes more often. Yeah, I, I don't even know why I make them. <laughs> Best not. Guys, we're going to be back with author, historian, and podcaster Tom Woods right after this commercial break. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Our guest this evening is a historian, an author, and the host of the popular podcast, The Tom Woods Show, which back last October celebrated its 2000th episode. You can get all that and more at his website, which is, is it TomWoods.com or .tv these days? Oh, it's, it's .com. Okay, I, we've moved on from .tv. I pretty penny for TomWoods.com. Oh, okay. See, I, I, haven't, I haven't reached that point yet. That's, that's how I know I've made it. Ladies and gentlemen... Tom Woods, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Alan. Now, I know for a fact that you're well over 2,000 at this point, because I was at the 2,000th episode back this last October. But I think one thing that either I missed or I, or I don't quite remember is in, in terms of time on the calendar, how long has it been since episode one of the Tom Woods show? Sept late September 2013. 2013. Yep. So we started... Uh, mine was September 1st, 2017, so that, that must be the explanation for why you have only 18, 1900 more episodes than me. <laughs> well, Doug, on it, churning them out at, at a rate of five per week with occasional vacations at Christmas time, or sometimes I'll take the long weekend and not do an episode on a Monday, but it, it adds up. You just keep on cranking them out, it adds up. 
Well, I, you know, I've had a lot of people say that to me, that they're like, you know, well, the late night shows on TV, they're Monday through Friday, Alan. You should do a show five days a week. And I always tell people that, for one, you know, Letterman has a team of writers and I don't. And two, I think episodes with guests are always more compelling and you reach a wider audience. But it's it's kind of hard dealing with schedules and scheduling that many people day in and day out. How do you go about it? Oh. <laughs> it's terrible. There's no glamorous answer. I wish there were. Uh, you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And then when you have so many, and when you're trying to do other things too, like I'm trying to travel, and um, you know, I write my email newsletter and things like that. Sometimes you you wake up and realize, wait a minute, I have nothing for today. I have nothing at all. <laughs> so I have to turn on my computer, turn on that microphone, and just start talking about something. And, you know, so you because you've made a commitment, you're, you made a commitment, you're going to produce five of these a week. So if you're prepared to do something like that, be able to jump in at the last second and just spontaneously create something when you have no guest or, or all your guests flake on you or something. Great. But I think for a lot of people, that would be a terrifying prospect. Let me let me ask you this, because you, you've been doing the show for a while. You've done a lot of episodes, a lot, a lot of different topics, a lot of different people over the years is there an episode that you've done that you feel is underrated and, and and what i would mean defining underrated is that that you felt either it was an exceptional guest or a very interesting topic or something that was just of great personal interest to you that maybe didn't play as well with the audience that you look back and think doggone it that was a great episode why aren't you people watching the thing is if i had a hundred episodes it would be easy to answer that question. But there are so many that I've even forgotten about, but that I, I, th I, I would have to go back and look, and I'm sorry to disappoint about that. I, I definitely think that, but I, the thing is, I think these, these did do reasonably well. But when I have Ben Settle on, I haven't had him on in a long time. Ben Settle, I've had on a few times. Um, I learned email marketing from him, and a lot of people say, ah, oh, email marketing, who cares about that? You know, just teach me about the non-aggression principle. But, you know, after a while, I mean, what more is there to say? Don't, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Really does sum it up, you know. And and when you think about somebody like Harry Brown, who was one of the great, most persuasive and impressive libertarians we ever had, and certainly the Libertarian Party ever had, obviously. What did he do for a living? He was a salesman, and he was a he was a great salesman, and he wrote a book on sales. That uh, the great Gary uh, was it Gary Bensavinga? I, I, I'm forgetting which one. It might be Gary Halbert. I, I can't remember which one. One of the greats said was the best book on sales ever written, and yet most libertarians know nothing about this about uh, about Harry Brown. They just know that he ran for president as a libertarian. He did, but he was also one of the best at what he did to make his living. So I think that's also something we need to we need to be good at is uh, we should not just be good at theorizing about why capitalism is a superior system. I think we should know it inside and out. We should practice it. We should be part of it. And so when I have somebody like Ben Settle on to teach, um, you know, uh, how to stand out from the crowd when you're trying to build an audience, well, that's an important topic. You know, that's that we, we can't be talking about uh, insider trading 24 hours a day. You know, let, let's talk about something that takes our ideas and kind of um, expands upon them and extends them into new areas. Well, speaking of that, 
What would you say then, we'll go a little bit more positive than negative, what would you say then is the best decision you've ever made in terms of the show? Not trying to make it live. Initially I thought it would be live and I would take calls. And the reason I thought that was that I had just gotten off a gig as the fill-in host for the Peter Schiff show, where we did take calls and it was live. And I was sitting in a bona fide radio studio. But I realized I don't want to take calls. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I don't want to talk to people. I want to have my guest, and, and that'll be the end of that. And also the benefit of a podcast, one of them is you can record it whenever you want and air it whenever you want. You know, whereas if I did this live show, that would be hard. And secondly, what if I'm interviewing somebody from China, which I have done, or Australia, which I have done? You can't get the time zones to work. So I'm glad I didn't do that. But also, I will say, as a more generally applicable lesson that I learned, it really was a stick to It was a, I remember one of my good friends saying to me, I can't put my finger on exactly why, but I just feel certain that even though it's going to seem like a lot of work until you really get the hang of it, to put five episodes out a week, something tells me you're going to be glad you did. Something tells me you've got to just stick with that no matter how hard it gets, just do it and good things will happen. And I think good things have happened by just sticking with it. And, you know, some, sometimes things that are hard to do become the most satisfying. And it was hard to get to this point uh, where now I wouldn't say it, I do it with ease, but I do it with a lot more ease than I used to. And the results have been really good. I've reached an awful lot of people, uh, created a pretty comfortable life for myself. It's been very rewarding I've gotten to talk to so many people because I've done so many of these episodes. Um, and I kind of, in effect, I was, I was throwing down the gauntlet. I was saying implicitly to other podcasters, oh, yeah, I'm doing an episode five days a week. How about you guys? <laughs> well, I, there are two things there that really resonate with me, is, and I'll start from the back and go to the front, is talking about being, having an opportunity to meet people and talk to people that maybe – Maybe without that vehicle, you would not have had the opportunity or there, the, the, the mutual interest wouldn't have been there or whatever. You know, I think to myself, just in the, the format that I do the show, you know, of course, Tom Woods has been on the show. Jeff Dice has been on. Ron Paul's been on the show. I have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion Ron Paul wouldn't just hang around with me for an hour on the telephone if I hadn't started a podcast of relevant material and and so i should be thankful for that if nothing else like i you know what i'm gonna choose to take that as the life lesson from this whether you agree with me or not yeah well i i've i've sometimes said the same thing there are people whose brains i want to pick or i just i'm curious about something i want to ask them and i know i can't just call them on the phone <laughs> or if i send them an email and i'm just some stranger and i say hey i need to, i need the following five questions answered I'm not going to get anything. But suddenly you plug in a simple microphone into your computer and you can ask anybody anything. <laughs> and, you know, I remember asking Scott Horton years ago, how are you able to get some of the people you get? I mean, he's had Daniel Ellsdorf, you know, of Pentagon Papers fame on his podcast a number of times. And I said, how did you swing that one? And the answer is astonishingly simple. I asked. Yes. And that really was it. It's just a lot of people feel like, they don't ask because they assume the answer is going to be no. Well, the answer will be implicitly no if you never ask. Yes, yes, exactly right. 
Um, I've, I've had a very similar thing where people have asked me, uh, some of the guests that I've had on the show, how did you get so-and-so guests? Are you paying these people? What's your budget? How are you getting these guests? And I, and I've told them before exactly that, that, well, I asked them and they said yes. And it really, it really was just that simple. If um, I had to pay somebody to come on my show, I, I just, in principle, would refuse to do it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree completely. Um, s- switching gears a little bit here, I know that you've, I mean, just, I mean, out of necessity and principle, uh, you've done a lot of episodes talking about the, the COVID pandemic lockdown mandate era that we've all lived through the last couple of years. Uh, but there's, there's something in particular that I want to touch on that, um, I don't believe we had discussed before when you were on there. There's this popular sentiment floating. Hopefully we're done. Like depending on where you are in the country, you've been done for a while, I think, but even in some of the worst places, it's becoming over and done with. Um, But there's the sentiment that's kind of floating out there in the ether right now that true closure for this chapter in our nation's history is really going to be hard to obtain unless some of the people responsible for the just absolute, just most abject, horrible, tyrannical things that people went through the last couple of years face some type of consequences for their actions. Now, I I, I don't know what those consequences would be. I don't necessarily want to get into that, but just something, some type of rebuking for the, for the horrors that people had to go through. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Do, do you feel like that there's, that it'll hard, be hard for people to move forward without there being some type of comeuppance? I think it's a matter of strict justice that there needs to be. And I think that's why, oh, I don't know, was it six weeks ago, a couple of months, I don't remember, but um, uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida decided that he would have a roundtable, kind of a retrospective, looking back on the COVID period and particularly on the policies that were implemented regarding children and make certain that this would never happen again. And he did that right around the time that Russia invaded Ukraine. And I don't think the timing was uh, coincidental. I think he did it because it was looking as if the American establishment was just going to pivot over to Ukraine and act like none of this ever happened. And he was saying, not so fast. You just wrecked societies and tore families apart and, and burned up people's savings and destroyed their health and did all the millions of things you've done to these people. And what, we're not going to talk about that anymore? That's all over? No, that is not all over. And you did it in the name of phony baloney so-called science. No, we're, we're going to talk about it and we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. I was very glad to be at that event because I thought this is what we need is somebody who, and they were all upset with him because he wasn't talking about Ukraine. I kid you not. The Florida media <laughs> was filled with reporters upset that he hadn't commented on Ukraine. So I remember I answered some of them on Twitter. I said, all right, listen, If this makes you feel any better, how about this? This aggression will not stand. We must defend democracy. Okay, you happy now? That's probably what he would have said. You happy? I mean, what what does that accomplish? Nothing. He's a state governor anyway. He has nothing to do with foreign policy. They wanted that instead of the substantive roundtable about the destruction of our society, (laughs) you know, at the hands of a of a crazed so-called public health establishment. Well, so on a very similar note to that, so talking about like safeguards, you know, states actually passing some kind of legislation to to prevent the kind of overreach that we saw 
uh, over the last couple of years. Now, granted, once again, some states were better than, better than others. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to make it just a right wing left wing thing, but the fact of the matter is is that while there were some red states that weren't good, generally they were better than than a lot of the blue states were. Um, but if history teaches anything, there's going to be another emergency in hard quotation marks that's going to be overblown and it's going to be used as an excuse to uh, take power. Um, despite the fact that some places were better than others, uh, do you, would you ultimately still consider them to be a failure if they do not get such legislation put in place before the next, quote, emergency? Well, I don't remember exactly what it was that, that DeSantis passed fairly early on that tied even his own hands when it came to emergency measures in the future. And he said, I, I don't want either me or anybody else to be uh, just implementing emergency measures willy-nilly like this. So that's a good thing. The thing is, there's the, the problem is it's, it's kind of like a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. You know, like what, even if they did get it, there's sure. always an escape clause the way they word these things. Well, you know, if there's an emergency, then that overrides it. Okay, so then they'll just manufacture an emergency. Or, or, or they could just b break the thing the way they do with the rest of the Constitution. You know, so likewise, I think um, it's hard to imagine that a really, really good safeguard could, could be implemented that they couldn't find a way around. You know, so the real safeguard, ultimately, I realize this sounds cheesy, but the real safeguard has to be the public more than words on a page or uh, or something passed in a legislative chamber. It has to be the public, ultimately. And the public has to either refuse to comply or or refuse to allow these people to continue in their positions. I, mean, I, I don't think there's any substitute for that, honestly. Well, l let me ask you this, because this is a question that uh, I've, I've gotten wildly different responses on from people that uh, on, on paper tend to believe very similarly to, to you and I. Uh, and, and that is federalism and the left side of the political spectrum. If, if, this, if, this, if this era that we've lived through, and, you, and you're seeing these massive population shifts, you're seeing people leaving certain states, going to other states. Uh, Tennessee's been in that boat. Tennessee has had a huge population spike from other states, and I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it, things that have happened in the last couple of years have certainly led to, to that spike being bigger than it otherwise would have been. Um, some people, if they're trying to be optimistic, would say, well, maybe this is the rebirth of federalism. Maybe people in California will decide, well, instead of worrying about what Florida does, we'll just decide for ourselves and they'll decide for themselves and, and we'll just let bygones be bygones. But I've also heard other people say that that's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just a cynic, but I, I, I just, I tend to think that our political opponents aren't just going to suddenly find that federalism is the way to go and we're all going to live, you know, live and let live. Do, do you see that there is hope for that going forward for better or ill, or do you think that that's wishful thinking? Well, there will always be people who cannot stand to have people living in ways other than the way they live. And these are always the people, always and without exception, these are the people who lecture us constantly about the need for to be tolerant. And although they don't really use those that language anymore, do they? They don't. You actually don't hear that much in terms of calls for tolerance and um, acceptance and this and that, because they're much much more belligerent than that now. 
those people are always going to want to impose their worldview on everybody else because they believe other people aren't entitled to an opinion. You either hold my opinion or you're a terrible oppressor and wicked and this and that. You don't count. You don't count. So, of course, we should impose our views on you. But it is true that even this old cynic here had his, his cynical heart warmed <laughs> by this aspect of what happened over the past couple of years, that the federal tradition in the United States is more robust than I gave it credit for. The fact that the states were able to do what they more or less what they wanted. Now, a lot of the time what they wanted was terrible, uh, even in some red states. But the fact that you could have a DeSantis means that the system still kind of works. And that is that is encouraging. I mean, obviously, the Fauci's of the world wanted to impose extremely severe measures, uh, whether it involved domestic air travel, interstate travel, um, mandates that they wanted to be much, much tougher. They couldn't do it because there would be state level resistance. They couldn't do what they wanted to do. So for those of us who are inclined to think that things are always as the worst and, and they could never get any worse, sometimes we just refuse to take yes for an answer. And in this case, we should be heartened that the system kind of worked in a way. When the chips were down, you could carve out some little areas of semi-sanity. And that was because the system still kind of works. Well, on that note, I don't want to make this a, a completely Florida-centric episode. But just since we're on that topic, I want to ask you really quick. If you had to choose one of these two, which would you choose? For Ron DeSantis to be governor of Florida in a few years or president of the United States? I keep going back and forth on this because I think as president, he'd probably do some things I wouldn't like. And I do like him. I actually like the guy. And I don't want to dislike him. <laughs> you know, So don't ruin yeah. our relationship, Ron, by, by doing that. But then the question comes, well, who is the plausible alternative? Who is the plausible alternative inside the Republican Party if we're talking about an alternative to the Biden-Harris regime? Well, obviously Trump is an alternative to DeSantis, but I just think Trump is a train wreck on so many levels, and uh, I, I just don't want to see that. I, th I think that would, that would cause all kinds of problems, and that, that is just like a shot in the arm to the left. I don't want to give them a shot in the arm. I'd like to give them a challenge. I'd like to see them be genuinely challenged by somebody who um, is as tough as Trump was, but much more disciplined and much smarter and cagier and more calculating and, you know, less of a doofus and, 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 and self-preoccupied. So, the, the, you know, the issue becomes who, if not DeSantis, who? And I don't want to see the Romney wing gain ground. And all this, uh, you know, grassroots level outrage dissipate. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want it, and yet I want it. Well, I think I, I understand it's a it's a tough question, especially as a Floridian, because I I think if you're going to weigh the uh, the potential replacements of who would be president if DeSantis wasn't, it, you have to do the same thing for the governorship of Florida, right? So if, if Ron DeSantis were no longer the governor of Florida, who would be who would be the governor after him? And so I, th I think it becomes equally 
a problem. I, I, I will tell you this, that I feel like where I've landed on it ultimately at the end of the day is, is that I hope Ron DeSantis stays the governor of Florida. And while I agree with you completely that having a Trump or just more Biden-Harris would be much, much worse as president than having a president, Ron DeSantis, I also kind of have the same feeling as you of if if Ron DeSantis were president and we had no new wars and he brought his his flavor of Florida republicanism to the national level, then it would be a big success. But it's just hard for me to think that that would happen. My, I mean, I you know I was born in '85. I mean, I can remember George Bush Senior being president, and that's as far back as my my political knowledge goes in in real life terms. And I've never had a president say, oh, this is going to be the change candidate, get into office and not us, boom, have more wars, boom, we're doing more missile strikes somewhere we shouldn't be. So I kind of lean towards where you are, which is I don't want that for DeSantis. I don't want him to become the next leader of the swamp and uh, running up stock prices for Raytheon. And I know for a fact he won't do that if he stays in Florida. Well, those are those are certainly good considerations. You might think that Florida has now become red enough that even with DeSantis absent, it would be okay. I mean, I'm not that worried about Florida now that the COVID thing seems to be, uh, re, you know, re, in retreat. the The real thing I was worried about was my my daughter's lives being ruined by pointless, unscientific lockdowns. That was the main concern. I think we're past that. Now, maybe some crazy thing will happen and then people will look at this and say, boy, he's a bad prognosticator. But I think we are mostly over it. So I think we could at this point maybe afford to let DeSantis go. Whereas if if 2024 were 2020 and 2021, then it would be much more of a I'm worried about Florida if he leaves. But maybe Florida's okay now. I want to move on a little bit here to the big the big thing in the news uh, at the start of this week is Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Now, I, I don't want to get into a back and forth of what we think that this might mean for Twitter. Uh, but but one thing I, I do want to talk about is, is kind of more the 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 impact in, in terms of people's own minds. Every single time people uh, don't win an election, you have those people that come out and say, oh, I'm going to move to Canada. Well, the same type of people that always, they never expatriate, of course, but the same type of people who threaten to move to Canada then are the same people today that are saying, oh, I'm going to delete my Twitter. If Elon Musk is buying Twitter, I'm deleting my account. Now, you yourself recently cut ties with Harry's Razor for their wokeism, and and I agree with that 100%. On the other hand, we also know that if if all of us promise to never do business with any organization that ever did anything we politically, socially, culturally disagreed with, then we'd all be living in a van down by the river. Right. So So how do you go about balancing that? That's a tough one because I've been saying for a long time that I don't want to live in a political, uh, politicized world, you know, where every aspect of life is politicized. I don't, I don't want to have to know what my ketchup company thinks about life, and I don't even care. And so I generally just go ahead and just buy what I need to buy, and I move on with my life. But once in a while, you have an opportunity to to take a stand and make a statement to a company with a big audience and a big customer base 
and just remind them, you know, you can insult me for so long, but then eventually I stop buying your stuff. So you are going to have to figure out how you balance your desire to signal to everybody that you have all the approved opinions versus your desire to make a comfortable living. You know, so they're the ones who really have to ask themselves what the proper balance is. I, I, I would say there's no scientific answer to it. It's a matter of, of instinct. I felt like the, I, I, Harry's razors had been kind of uh, walking a fine line for a while for me as it was. But then I just finally said, look, obviously you're broadcasting to the world that you have utter contempt for my listeners. Why would I keep promoting you? I mean, that was really sure. it. I didn't have to dig out. I didn't go and, and say, um, you know, I, look, I found out that the CEO on his Twitter said such and such. I, it wasn't anything like that. Or like I'm digging into the personal lives of these people or, or, or digging deep to figure out where, you know, which candidate they voted for. It was nothing like that. They were in my face. And, and I think the, that the, the whole cancel culture thing is usually the opposite, that, that people are, are looking to find reasons to be unhappy with people. I wasn't doing that with Harry's razors. I wasn't digging around saying, oh, I found an article that the wife of, of a major shareholder said to this. It was nothing like that. It was they were in my face, and I just pushed back against them. So once in a while, I do want to do that because I want these people to be on notice that they can say whatever they want, but they need to know that there will be consequences to it. Well, I, I think when it comes to communicating preferences like that, I think for, for people who are in the host chair or represent some type of product or whatever, less is more, right? Like, I mean, long, long before the hyper-politicization of the world, uh, I, you know, th there would be situations where, oh, you know, uh, I really like Fender guitars. Well, now all of a sudden all of my fans who are Paul Reed Smith fans are going to say, oh, you're a Fender fanboy? Unfollowed. Because, because unfortunately, there are just really shallow people in the world like that, and if they if they hear one preference you have that they don't agree with, then suddenly their fandom no longer exists. And I would think that it's just amplified that much more when it comes to political and cultural aspects of life. And so it seems like it's in everyone's best interest, both for major companies and for people like you and I, to just on certain things just kind of keep our mouth shut. I, um, as I say, I don't even want to be involved in this. I don't want to have to, to, to jettison a sponsor. I, I like Harry's razors as a product that they genuinely are great. And in fact, I'm still using my, my last blades and then I'll move to somebody else at this point for consistency's sake. But I just used it today. I mean, look, it's all smooth and comfortable. <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I hate being in this position, but it's like everybody and, and I, now I've been told that it's it's not even so much that the people at Harry's feel strongly about all the various woke issues. It's that a lot of razors are bought by women for men, and the and there are some there's a certain class of woman who wants to hear them say these things, hmm. and so they say it. And so again, it's I what all I want to do is I'm not saying you can't ever say things you believe in. It's that. Um, if you're going to devote your your ideological capital to satisfying this group, understand there's pr a group that I think is probably a lot larger that is just going to say we are tired of having you spit in our faces. So we're not doing it anymore. Well, on that note, uh, there's one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. 
And that's the, the, the old classic debate of stupid versus evil. Now, I saw the headline uh, just the other day that uh, the head of the IMF, uh, what's uh, Catalina Gorgieva, I'm not good with pronunciations, but the head of the IMF did, a, did an interview over the weekend where almost just laughing, almost flippantly said in, in regards to inflation, well, we just really didn't respect what printing so much money was going to do. Just didn't, didn't really think about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can apply, you know, think about a lot of the COVID policies. You know, we've had data for a long time that a lot of these lockdowns and mandates were at a minimum ineffective. We're not even talking about moral or ethical. They just flat out were ineffective. And yet you, I mean, you still have some places holding on to these things, but you certainly had a lot of places holding on to them long after we knew that these policies weren't working. And so being the cynic that I am, I always tend to not give these people the benefit of the doubt. I think these people are evil. There's just no way they would be making these decisions if they didn't have some sort of perverse agenda at hand. Where do you fall on the debate of stupid versus evil? And and also kind of a two-parter. In terms of truly society-altering policy, does it really matter? Uh, well, I... I, I don't know how to answer the does it really matter thing because I, I haven't really given that enough thought. My feeling is it's evil people directing it and stupid people following along. I think it's that's basically what it is. I think um, most of these things that we see, like like climate change or um, you know the and and uh, the COVID thing, these are these are elite projects, and the average person goes along because the average person likes to be led by the elite and feel like they're part of the in-group. That is a very, very powerful motivator for a lot of people. But I don't believe that these things are just happening because we have some people who, who didn't read enough Mises and so they don't understand the effects of what they're doing. I think what you have are elites who despise the masses. And boy, do they love that they get away with posing as the champions of the masses. They can't stand these people. They want them away from their fancy resorts they want them um they want them eating soy food and and barely able to to use transportation or whatever they 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 hate these people for whatever reason there's no other explanation for the consistently coordinated one evil thing after another that makes their lives worse other than they genuinely hate these people I, I do not see any other explanation. Now, if it were the case that they really were just stupid, then once in a while they would accidentally do something right because they're stupid. They don't know which – sometimes they're going to fall ass backwards into the right thing. They never do. You notice that? They <laughs> never fall ass backwards into the right thing. It's always the wrong thing. It's always a policy. Sometimes it's a policy that sounds good, that might sound good on paper, like a higher minimum wage whatever, but they're smart enough to know what that means for people. If they were just stupid, they would accidentally do the right thing sometimes because they don't know any better. But if the fact that every single thing they push impoverishes people, makes the average person's life more difficult, means that they intend this. These aren't unintended consequences. They have to be intended. Now, again, the dummies who go along with these things because they, they are incapable of thinking with any depth those people are just stupid, but they're being driven by evil people. And what they're, the ultimate agenda of those evil people is, is open for discussion. But in the, in the past, I thought it was just stupidity. And then I realized, no, 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 no. You don't, 
be constantly waging war on society, wave after wave of nonstop war because you just made a few intellectual errors. Well, speaking of accidentally doing the right thing, Tom, where can people go to support you? Well, um, I would recommend TomWoods.com. That's really where uh, everything happens. Um, if you still have nostalgia for the old days when you used to bash people over the head for being wrong about COVID, I actually have a neat uh, little ebook called COVID Charts CNN Forgot. It's, it's worth looking at as a historical document at this point to show how they misled people. You look at these charts and you realize they were up to something. I mean, the fact that we were told that Iowa was um, the state that didn't care if you lived or died, and then their, number, then their numbers tumbled, and then you, you couldn't tell the difference between Iowa and any other place. But meanwhile, New Mexico was the state that conquered COVID with science. And then as soon as their numbers went up, we never heard about New Mexico again. And it turns out New Mexico per capita did worse than Iowa after all was said and done. Nobody revisited either case. That doesn't happen by accident. That's not they're just stupid. Uh, they don't do follow-ups. They're journalists. They do follow-ups. You know, they you, you always follow up on something like that when you make a claim like that. That's a deliberate decision on their part, and I chronicle it all in that book. So you can find that. You get it for free. Chartstheyforgot.com is the website. Chartstheyforgot.com. Chartstheyforgot.com and TomWoods.com. Tom, I know you're pressed for time today. We're going to do a quick little lightning round, then we're going to get you out of here. Are you ready? I'll do my best. Number one, we got five questions. Number one, what is your biggest pet peeve? It's a stupid pet peeve, but it's when people misspell other people's names, especially when they're names of people they're criticizing. How, how much in depth could you have studied this person if you can't even spell their name? So like people who, who spell Glenn Beck, G-L-E-N, how hard is it to look up his name? Like you don't even know he's got two N's, but you're absolutely sure he's wrong? I, I am not convinced that you've really studied. Or, or for All that right. matter, Austin Peterson. You might not like Austin Peterson, but he does not spell his name Austin Peter, S-O-N. That's not how it's spelled. So again, I don't believe you've spent much time uh, investigating his ideas. Number two, what's your favorite color? Red. Totally underrated color. Everybody says blue. Screw that. All right. You heard it here first, Tom Woods. is a communist. Number three. Have you ever in your life been known by or referred to as Tommy? Just to my mother. No one Just else is allowed mother. to call me. Yeah. All right. You, you heard it here. I, as a quick aside, I know that our, our good friend Michael Malice, anytime anyone ever calls him Mike or Mikey, that's a quick, instant, instantaneous shut out of his life for all Even time. Even though, uh, if you see the video of him when he was on Cash Cab, he introduces himself in Cash Cab as Mike. Oh. So I don't know what happened to him, but suddenly that's not allowed anymore. That's, I'm going to follow that away for the future. Yeah. Number four, what is your biggest fear? Um, being broken alone. All right. Well, I think you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> I'm, I'm way closer to that than you are. So I think you're, I think you're doing a pretty good job, but this is the last one for all the money. Do nachos technically count as a salad? No, sure you shut up. Will you stop with this? No, they are a salad, Tom. No, 
No, they're not. No, okay. they're not. But and you know the, why? <laughs> because screw you, that's why. <laughs> I just want to say really quick, Tom, you you have given me far and away the best sound bites that I'm going to put on the back of my book or if I ever produce a documentary. There's there's screw you, you're a bullshitter. I've I've had absolutely <laughs> the best the best ones from Tom Woods. Tom Thank you so much, buddy. This was a lot of fun. You should come back. Thanks, Alan. I always enjoy it. And I'll, I'll, I'll end on this note. For all the people that constantly badger Tom and say, Tom, when you have these big best guests on, you should do a video portion of your program replete with production and everything. Tom, not everybody can be like Alan Mosley, okay? Leave Tom alone. I, <laughs> I am thinking this over, by the way, as I told you in Tennessee, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't think I'll have your whole setup but I am considering adding a uh, video dimension to it. We'll see. Tom, whatever you decide to do, I'm, I'm here for it. I'd be happy to help. Thanks, man. Guys, we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Stick around. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Alan Mosley TV. You can follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com at Alan Mosley TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Also, we're now on Odyssey. Go support a free speech platform. That's odyssey.com. It's too late with Alan Mosley or Alan Mosley TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can get us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. That's thanks to Anchor FM. That's anchor.fm slash TV. Dave, do you have a final thought? I, I feel like we don't have time for a final thought, but... That was a great interview. It's awesome to hear Tom Woods talk. Um, you did a great job. This is a great show. Thanks for hanging out, guys. This was That's a great it. show. The after party. If you want to go to the after party, you're going to have to go to Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Alan underscore Mosley. We're going to be off on every other platform. you got to yeah. go to Twitch. Get over there. Subscribe. Right? Right? After, Come after on, that amazing, show. amazing show. Absolutely. Um, but if we're not going to see you for the after party, we'll see you next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week. Great show, Dave. Fucking nailed it. I don't Language. know what that first thing was. Oh. <laughs> I forget that we're still here. <laughs> yeah, we're here right now. I'm ready to, I'm ready to open up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you've, you've been drinking, so... Yeah, well, I, I did pretty good today. Actually, during the interview, I, I kind of I dipped in a little more, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this was this was a big show. You needed to steal your nerves, you know. Yeah, yeah. I get nervous. What a great show, man! Tom friggin' Woods. I'm content. <laughs>